Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Hey, Heal Squad with Maria Menounos fans. No, it's not Maria Menounos. It's Mr. Maria Menounos, sitting in for my beautiful and talented wife, Today, we're bringing you part two of our amazing interview with Dr. Champagne. For um, for any of you who are ex- experiencing hair loss, male or female, we went over everything. We went deep. Uh, we go over uh, non-surgical procedures, surgical procedures, uh, how to apply both. Um, Kelsey, I think I, I think I squeezed a lot of water out of this rock. On you this really rock. did. It was great. Got, yeah, we went over... Um, you know, some of the, how to pick a good surgeon or mm-hmm. practitioner to do this, mm-hmm. some of the pros and cons of going overseas to do this at a, at a kind of a bargain rate. And who's a good up. candidate for it and who's not. Yeah. All of it. So, uh, yeah, we learned a lot. I know you always know we learn things at the end when, when the interview's over, Kelsey and like, <laughs> we're like, we will buy that. Can you send us the link? Like, we're like, all right, we want to buy this. We want to buy that. And then we're going to come in and we want to get the injections. And we can't wait to see you next he was week. Like, uh, yeah, he was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, like, I'll be happy to work with you guys. <laughs> like, you two are crazy. Chill out. <laughs> but yeah, that was, but there was a lot of it was fun. good information. So for any of you that are, um, you, you, you've had extreme hair loss or even it's thinning a little bit, it was really good. Really, really, um, really informative. So uh, I hope you all agree. Um, please let us know in the comments. Give us that five-star rating over an Apple podcast too. It really does help us a wicked ton. And uh, I don't know, Kelsey, and you know what? If you want to have all this content ad-free and you want to have a monthly heal event with um, a group of uh, like-minded people and some of the greatest uh, thought leaders and healers in the world, then join our Patreon. Go over to Patreon for Heal Squad and um, and subscribe because you know what? It's a nice little community over there. And uh, it really is. Yeah, and you you actually make friends. It's it's not it's big, but yeah. it's not so big. But a lot of our community has really been able to uh, 
harvest friendships and support each other. Yeah, and you get accountability partners. It's really it's really special. Yeah, yeah. We didn't even never intended that, but that's what's come. And these heal events, I can't say enough. I mean, the 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 friends Maria has, the healers who get tens of thousands of dollars for what they do, you know, come on and do these you know hour plus long sessions with us uh, on a variety of topics. Um, and have all been really life-changing. So anyway, with all that said, let's get our hair fixed, Kelsey, for part two of Dr. Jason Champagne. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Okay, can we switch over to uh, to hair loss? So can we move over there, to, uh, Kelsey? Any other questions in, in in eyebrows before we move on? My only last question on the brow oh, front is for someone who has had, say, lamination done, or who has 
Actually, not, let's not go elimination. Let's go with the microblading and they still have tattoos. Can you go in and go over that and you, and they still will look nice? Good question. Um, yes. Patients all the, always ask me that question. Um, and the answer is yes. We sort of touched on this way earlier um, when we talked about scar tissue and things like that. So in some cases, the tattoo can be removed. Um, if it's no, if there's no hair in the area. And that and wouldn't be through you. That might be through a tattoo removal artist. Exactly. That would okay. be some, some, uh, yeah, a, a laser tattoo removal artist or a okay. dermatologist or someone who does that procedure. The pigment can be removed, but it's not necessary. So I would say the times that you might want to consider removing the pigment is if it's turned to a blue, a bluish color or a reddish color that doesn't match your hair color. Um, some patients tend to, you know, might want to remove that. I can transplant into areas that have been tattooed or microbladed and have pigment there. The risks of that are the, the potential things, you know, that things to think about scar tissue, scar tissue, like we talked about is a little thicker, less blood flow. And so when I'm transplanting hair into those areas, it might reduce the, it can reduce the growth rate maybe 10% below what we would expect. Normally, normal skin, I would expect about 95, 96% growth rate of the hairs that we transplant. In tattooed areas or areas that have some scar tissue, it can be 80, 85% growth um, on average, but can be a little less than that potentially. Um, in those patients, I always consult with them and let them know that you know you might be setting yourself up for a potential redo, not a redo, but, you know, add more hair down the line. Um, about nine to 12 months later, we can always come back and add some more hair if there's a few spots that, you know, you'd like to fill in. Um, and when I say 85, 80, 85% growth, it's not like a patch that doesn't grow. It's just kind of dispersed throughout the eyebrow. Um, second time around, if we do, and again, it's rare to do that. A lot of patients don't necessarily, they love their first time results and cover over that tattoo. Um, but if we, if they do come back and we do a procedure, same thing about 80, 85% will grow that time. So we can always add more hair to fill it in. So it's doable. Long story short, uh, it's definitely doable to cover over those areas and, and give you a three-dimensional natural eyebrow. Yeah, that's with, interesting. And with the person that gets the Groucho Marx effect from a botch <laughs> and they come to you, Jason, do you surgically remove their work and then re-implant? Like, how do you handle that? No, the best way to handle that situation there, you know, is two options. Um, laser hair removal. So I would, unfortunately, you sort of need to start from scratch. Um, it's, it's not, the, the, the patients that I've seen who've had these, botched, you know, unnatural looking eyebrows is where the, the hairs are placed in larger groupings. So two or three hairs in one spot, it just doesn't look natural and, or they are growing at the wrong angle. And there's really no way to surgically correct that. You can try to punch those out individually with a handheld device. Um, but it, it'll leave a little more scar tissue mm. and it's not ideal to do it that way. So the better route would be to do laser hair removal or the older method, electrolysis. Um, not as great, but also an option. And then once it's removed, you're going to re surgically put in new hair. 
new hair in the right direction and the right angle and give you a much more natural result. So, yeah. so for I know the one botch that um um you know that that particular botch if, if you got the person with the groucho marks is it multiple days did, did did that person have to come back a few times with you? Um so first of all to remove all of that takes multiple sessions and months and months and months I mean so and then Oof. there's a, like a waiting period. I always like to wait at least around 3 months before surgically going back in and placing hair we want to make sure all of that hair is gone um that session again reduced that that brow was way too big (laughs) um so we reduced the size um and if i remember correctly i um i believe we've only we only did one session and that patient was completely happy so um reducing the size through laser well uh, no removing the hair got it and then which and then coming back and transplanting wow. and creating a new brow and then so, after that was done after I did that one then they were really happy with their results. Wow! But all the times they had to go in and remove it. Wow, it's a lot. It's a lot. But this is why you got to do your yeah. research. It's um, a lot. Exactly. It's funny. Um, one of the reasons why we just even decided to do the show is because I was asking you if uh, a lot of women um, come to you for hair loss. And you said, oh, my goodness, I, you had just done one the day that I bumped into you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know some I know some people that are friends of mine that, uh, like I said, one has chemo, but then others who have alopecia and, you know, or maybe they're just thinning from age. Can you talk about some of the candidates who come to you, especially females? Absolutely. Right now with hair loss. Yeah. So what do you what what are you usually dealing with when, you know? when they come to you, what are the conditions? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm sure Kelsey, you can speak to this too. I mean, hair for women is everything. Yeah. It's a big deal. And you start, you know, a lot of women who start to lose their hair. I mean, it's a problem because, you know, it's an identity thing. Right. And so I treat patients who for genetic reasons start to thin patients who've had, have certain types of alopecia, um, and then other patients who've gone through chemo and other issues like that. And so there are surgical and non-surgical options for those patients. For for women, especially, um, starting with getting your hair healthier and thicker as much as we can is a good route because women tend to have this generalized sort of thinning if it's for genetic reasons. And so we'll just start with that. So let's just say it's a patient who's generalized thinning. They're just thinning. Um, so your first move is we're going to get you stronger before we even think of surgical options. Many times, try, you know, get your hair healthier. How do we do that? Or what do you recommend to get it healthier? So there are very there are various non-surgical options. So one might be laser helmet therapy or cap therapy. There is red laser light that's used to improve blood flow in the scalp. Many times thinning hair can be caused are one of the main causes of hair loss or hair thinning is reduced blood flow or lack of blood flow in the scalp. And so this laser light therapy improves blood flow in the scalp. It also stimulates what's called medical term neovascularization, which is a big word for new blood vessel growth in the, in the tissue. And so it stimulates more blood vessels to grow into the tissue. So you get more nutrients, more oxygenation to the scalp. And that helps to support the health of the roots of the hair. 
And so if you see those, if you see guys who are completely bald on top and it's very thin, shiny kind of skin, it doesn't look like normal skin. That's because a lot of the blood flow is, is gone because the hair roots create a, a lot of blood flow in the scalp and they support good blood flow. Once those are gone, there's a lot less blood flow and you get this, this thinner, shiny kind of tissue. So the more blood flow you have in the scalp, the healthier the root systems can be. So that would be one option. So and so in um, these helmets, this is one of the ways to initiate better blood flow, right? Correct. And this is like the old things that look like a baseball cap, and the red light comes exactly down. Exactly right. Exactly I, right. I've you seen use them it at home, so it's not can. something you have to come into the office to do. Um, it's it's daily or every other day use at home, quick and simple. Depending on the you know, the types that you that you use, um, it could be six minutes a day, up to twenty minutes a day or every other day. Um, but really easy. I use it myself um, at home. I, I've heard from Dr. Allison, who does our show a lot. She's big into red light therapy. She mentioned that's even good for brain as well. Not just the, she had mentioned that those red light caps. So it's kind of interesting. We should bring that up next time we talk to her. Um, I, this is, I know if we're swimming out of waters, you might not be able to, but I'm going to ask anyway, you know, w w when I'm looking for one of those helmets, any tips on i mean today on amazon i feel like you could get one for a few hundred but i know there's a few thousands right so is there anything i'm looking for go for the fda approved devices okay 600 around 680 nanometers of red light somewhere in that range is the best that's dialed in to for for improving blood flow and, and for hair growth um so somewhere in that range um there are a few out there that are FDA approved. Those are the ones that I would say, you know, not naming any names, um, but but those are the ones that I would say to look out for. Um, and there are, you know, a couple good ones out there. I would avoid the ones that are really cheap. So somewhere in the, you know, probably the thousand to two thousand range, somewhere right. around there, probably your best bet, honestly. And it's an investment, just like anything else. Also, you have to give it time to work. Um, it takes mm -hmm. about six to eight months or so to start seeing good results. And that's just because you have to wait for the hair process, the hair cycle to go, you know, go through that process. The blood flow has to come in and then it's got to stimulate the hair to grow, to grow thicker. And so it's a bit of a process. And that's one thing that I always run into with patients is a lot of patients want to quit too soon because they don't see something within a month. And, and, and that's really not the way to, to approach hair loss. It, it's a, it's a very, pro, it's a prolonged process, but eventually we can get you there. Um, but we're talking, you know, several months before you start seeing results. Um, other things besides laser hair therapy, to get um, I do in office injections, um, of things oh, like, Oh yeah. All right. But before we get to the injections, I've run yeah. this by you before. And I'm going to say again, um, see if it, if it, if it ignites anything, but there, Kelsey, those is it the derma rollers that people roll on their face? It's like the little spikes and it's yeah, the wheel. Yeah, I have a little scalp one. So I'm oh, glad you're asking about this. Right. So so mm -hmm. I, I did a deep dive on YouTube doing research, you know, for the interview. And I saw some YouTube stars who, uh, for a living, kind of review things. And I always say watch out for that, too, because the ones who are paid to do it, you can tell the difference between the ones who are authentic and the ones who are being paid but, you know, it was interesting. There was a couple of guys who had done the taking that derma roller. Is that what it's called, Kelsey? Right? Yeah. Yeah, and, the derma roller, yeah. And every night 
they, you know, for like a year, they rolled it on their scalp, their hairline, and they showed their hair getting stronger. Mm -hmm. Is that because it's initiating blood flow up there in that scalp? Yes, that's part of it. It, it, Okay. It it helps to stimulate it. Anytime you're basically you could you can purchase these derma rollers um over the counter nowadays um they're very very shallow tiny needles that go very superficial in the skin the -the over-the-counter ones um that are approved in my office i also use derma rolling on the scalp as part of the process to stimulate hair growth in the office i can use needles that are a little bit longer safely and you're correct it helps to stimulate blood flow because anytime you create little tiny punctures in the skin, there's a wound healing process. That wound healing process starts to stimulate or, or attract growth factors, uh, anti-inflammatory properties, all these sorts of things, and stimulate more blood flow in the scalp. That in turn helps to thicken the hair that's still present. Now remember, or something to keep in mind is that you have to have a hair follicle or a root system. Right. You can't be complete cue ball. Like, yeah. Yeah. If if that follicle has, is dead and gone, it's not going to grow back if you're trying to stimulate the scalp with that. So you definitely still need hair there. As we lose hair, our hair tends to thin. The root system weakens, it gets smaller and the hair that comes out of the skin also weakens and the diameter gets smaller. So, Many patients you'll see, you know, I'll, I'll see as they're losing hair, their hair just gets finer and finer and smaller in diameter and easier to see through. And that's the beginnings of the balding process. So as long as you have those smaller hairs that are still there, there's a chance that you can stimulate those and, yeah. and they'll grow thicker. And it's, it's, I've been doing it for like, I don't know, the last few, maybe the last like month or two. I have it next to my nightstand and you know what I right before bed. I just end up doing it. And I'm just going to see what happens. And the, the red light helmet also going to try that. You know, yeah. for me, it's like when I'm feeding the dogs in the morning, pop the thing on and in 10 minutes it goes off automatically. But I think that, you know, why not? Maria's dad actually might, who's like almost 80. Um, he's a pretty good candidate for this stuff to work too. And he loves doing this stuff too, which I think is awesome. Like he's very much into trying these things, but okay. So let's get to the injections because like, I think every time I learn more about the injections, I'm learning, we're getting closer and closer to some of those things we can inject into the scalp that are helping. So yeah, let's talk about that. So, so initially several years ago, PRP was the, was one of the first things that we were injecting into the scalp and PRP is where we draw a couple vials of blood spin out the blood cells and take the serum that holds the blood cells. And in the serum, it's that yellowish clear fluid um, that holds the blood cells in there. There are anti-inflammatory properties. There's growth factors, all those things we were talking about when you're stimulating the scalp with the derma roller. That gets concentrated. So PRP stands for platelet-rich plasma. And that gets concentrated as we spin out the blood cells. Um, and it's a sort of higher concentration of growth factors, anti-inflammatory properties, um, and others that that I inject right back into the scalp to help stimulate hair growth. That was one of the initial things that we did. Nowadays, there's a newer process of injections called exosome therapy. Exosomes, just like PRP, PRP was used and also for anti-inflammatory properties injected into joints. People may have heard that um, for arthritis and for other reasons. So PRP started being injected into the scalp and it 
we, we got reasonable results with it, but sort of hit or miss. Couldn't guarantee everyone that they would see results. Exosome therapy nowadays is similar to that, but exosomes are little micro vesicles that are harvested from around the ones that I use in my office are around bone derived stem cells. And so those, those little micro vesicles are messenger molecules that go between, we're getting real technical here, but go between cells and tell them what to do basically. And so they tell them sort of to rejuvenate and that's how it works. And, and so they, help to stimulate the hair follicle to grow thicker. Um, and it's based on the person's bone marrow. It's not someone else. No, this is, this is something that's a product. Um, it's a product in a vial. And so, um, so we use those, um, and you've had results with this. You said you used it too, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had our, uh, our nurse inject my scalp and there's a lot of studies out there on it. Um, and, um, and it shows, you know, 90 in the 90th percentile of hair growth for patients who, who have these injections. So, um, so it's something that's a newer process within the last two or three years, but, um, definitely an option, you know, option for patients as well. One time visit for the, all the shots or is it multiple? Um, yeah, it's so, so far with the studies, it's a one-time visit, um, on uh, patients see results usually within five to six months or so after, uh, after the injections up to a year. Um, and, and so far those results are long lasting. So someone with like an alopecia or something, is it going to work for them? That it depends the type of alopecia, but it's not as consistent. Um, so I would say for patients really more with the genetic male pattern or female pattern balding, um, it works well. Alopecias are, are, are a different breed. Um, alopecias, um, autoimmune problems, things like that. Your body attacks your hair follicles, and that's very difficult to treat. Oof. Those are sort of things that I personally, it's not part of my practice. Um, dermatologists many times will treat alopecias, and there are other ways to do that. Um, but um, but Can- exosome therapy, not not so, not so much. much alopecia. Do you, yeah. do you, can you tell the difference between someone who has male or female pattern hair lo- loss versus someone with alopecia? Yeah, there are, there are certain telltale signs. Um, we ultimately a biopsy of the scalp will tell you for sure, you know, what we're dealing with. Um, and that would but, be a dermatologist. You wouldn't be doing that, right? Well, sometimes I'll do biopsies because okay. if patients will come in, if patients might come in and, and for example, there's a condition that causes eyebrow hair to fall out and hair along the hairline to fall out. Um, and I see a lot of those patients because they come in and they say, can I, can we do an eyebrow transplant, for example? And in those cases, there are certain telltale signs that's, that say, well, maybe we should do a biopsy first to, to make sure that this process is not going on. That process is called frontal fibrosing alopecia. And it, it, there are little signs like little redness. There's redness around each hair follicle, um, other things, what they call cobblestoning of the skin. Um, but a lot of times the pattern of hair loss is right here down into the temples and then the eyebrows. So the, to- so the top, of, if you're listening, the top of the top of the crown and the temple area. Yeah, right up, right up here. But further back, you still sort of have hair. Got it. Um, it's more the hairline. More the hairline, typically. It. And that happens in women and men. Um, but... 
I'll do a biopsy for those patients because we want to rule that out first. Transplants for those patients usually don't work because that ongoing process will also attack the hair that we're transplanting Oof. in those sites. Yikes. And so the last thing I want to do is a transplant on a patient who's not going to get a oh good my result. Goodness, right. So I will do those biopsies in the office and, and either rule it out or confirm that that's what's going on. Um, so we're looking for scarring. It's a scarring type alopecia or inflammatory alopecia. And under a microscope, a pathologist can see those things and, and confirm for sure whether or not you know, it's a reasonable idea to go forward with a transplant. Okay. So is that, would that wrap up non-surgical or do you have any other non-surgical techniques to get the blood flow going or to help the hair on the head? Um, well, the, so they're medications, you know, a lot of people have heard for men, especially, um, and women, you know, can, but, you know, more carefully have to use these medications. So there's finasteride mm -hmm. nowadays can be done either oral tablet or topically in a solution. Is that Propecia um, basic? Is that the same as Propecia? Right. Propecia is, is the trade name. Finasteride is the generic form it. of it. Okay. Same medication. Um, and so for many years, it's been used. Uh, it's the only medication FDA approved for treating male pattern baldness or, you know, hair loss by reducing the breakdown product of testosterone, which is DHT. And so, it reduces the production of DHT and DHT has been shown to cause hair loss by attacking the follicle. Um, and so it blocks that process, which helps to keep hair from falling out and from thinning over time. So that's another non-surgical option. And I offer that to patients. And you um, said more for men than women. Is there properties in there that are unhealthy for women? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. So there are things, especially in the childbearing age, you know, things like that, that can cause issues with the fetus and stuff like that. So I tend to stay away from that. Um, uh, there, it can also mess with hormones, estrogen, Got it. testosterone, okay. that sort of thing. And there are side effects with this medication. So that's something that I always discuss with, with my patients as well as, you know, there are potential side effects with this medication. So we might not go that route or we'll go that route. It just depends, you know, the patient's choice. I've done, I've done the Propecia then, you know, I think in my thirties, my experience with it was, it held on to the hair I had for me also made me depressed and it lowered my sex drive. Then about after, I think it was right before COVID, I just started experiencing more thinning again um, for whatever reason, you know, I have some theories, but, um, but I got back on it. And I don't know if they've changed the formula or adjusted it, but I'm not feeling the depression um, mm -hmm. thank goodness. But my experience with it, if you want to help people for, if you, for, if you're a male or you have a, a male friend, um, it does help hang on to what, in my case, it's helped hang on to what I have. That's what I have found. And then, you know, without it, it did thin, you know? So anyway, I just want to offer that. Yeah, sure. My, my personal experience with it. Yeah. And, and those, what you're, what you're alluding to is those are our potential side effects. And, you know, usually in the literature, one to 3% um, of patients might experience those, those side effects. And so it's something to consider, something to think about. Um, there is the topical form, which in the literature also, you know, evidence shows that it has much less to, to no risk of the side effect 
I can see that. Of, yeah, because it's just going into one. the scalp and it's not going through uh, your body. Yeah, applied topically. So I'll prescribe the topical formulation as well. Um, so that's that's another option. So non-surgical option that you could you could use. Can a female um, use the not the 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 topical one? Is that less invasive? Still same, same kind thing. of roll I, the dice. I, yeah. I stay away from it. Yeah, I stay well, away. Well, from I will it. say that the the because when I this is again twenty years ago when I started with the the liquid one, I felt it. I found it terribly inconvenient because you're putting this like product in your hair that you know you want to wash your hair, you want to style your hair. It kind of gets in the way. So it was like, okay, maybe you could do it at night, but then like every day you have to wash your hair. And I'm I've kind of learned over the years to not wash your hair every day. I don't think it's very healthy for, again, regular True. guy experience. True. Uh, you know, there's a joke in an old movie called Lonely Guy where Charles Grodin and Steve Martin, the main characters, they, they have all these random conversations. They're two very lonely people. <laughs> so they have these ridiculous conversations. And one scene just opens and Charles Grodin says to Steve Martin, do you ever wonder why bums have the most beautiful heads of hair? Yeah. And they go back and forth. And, you know, I don't know if the writer was basing it on some kind of reality, but I swear it's, you know, sometimes the less you wash your hair, you know, I think uh, the longer it, it it's I think the more it's preserved again as a guy. I think I, again, regular guy theory. But I've noticed that the less that I have shampooed and growing up as you know, where I grew up, my generation was like every day you wash your hair every day with and shampoo. Now, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, every day. And now I'm like, eh, you know, every few days or whatever, like when it starts to like, gets a little funky up there, fine. But yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. And I, I think I know that seems true to me. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. So w washing every day with a shampoo, it'll strip your scalp. You need It'll strip your scalp. It can dry your scalp. It can cause inflammation. So a dry scalp can be very irritated and itchy. And so washing every other day or every third day with a shampoo is a reasonable thing. Now, some patients have really oily hair, so it's a balance of what works best for you. But you're definitely right that washing every day with a shampoo and stripping your scalp and your hair of important oils that your body produces and keeping your scalp healthy is not a great idea because it, eventually it can cause your hair to be brittle or weaker, not as strong. Um, but I do agree, or I, I do recommend at least wetting your hair and even putting a little conditioner in it without shampooing. Just doing okay. the conditioner in the scalp can help to keep your scalp healthy and moist. So you need moisture, you need that to be healthy and a conditioner can help with that. But stripping your hair every day with shampoo, not a great idea, especially ones that have parabens and sulfates. And Yeah, well, can we um, talk about that? And I know we're going to cover a lot of stuff here, but for the kind of shampoos and conditioners, what, what, what should we be looking for? I Better to go the more organic route, in my opinion, organic route, things that don't have, again, like I mentioned, the parabens, the sulfates, even, you know, salt water and stuff, salt water. Some patients tend to want to spray their hair with a salt water solution to give it body. But if you do that too much, it's going to make your hair dried out and very brittle. So those are the things that I would I would be looking for, is, you know, things that are very natural and safe, you know, for the scalp, stuff like that. Got it. Okay. Um 
Okay, I'm sorry because I got you off topic. We were dealing with the, yeah, you know, we're dealing with the, you know, the uh, the um, finasteride and Propecia. Yeah, uh, and you uh, were talking about the topical and things in your head. Yeah, though. I don't know if that was Rogaine that you were thinking of. It was Rogaine. Um, yeah, it was Rogaine. Yeah. probably Rogaine. But Rogaine, yeah. that's another option. But Rogaine oh, comes. Oh, I'm thinking or, that was. The, I'm forgetting that that was that was so long ago that that I'm thinking that was the same thing. Okay, it's so, not yeah. the same thing. Yeah, no. So uh, the topical that I was talking about, it's a topical solution. It's 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 not a foam. It's not a gel. It's a solution that I prescribe that, in addition to finasteride, has minoxidil in it. Minoxidil is. It started out as it's a blood pressure medication. Honestly, that's what it is. And people, you can take it by mouth for blood pressure. What it does is it opens up blood flow. So oh. that's what it's doing topically. It's placed topically and it helps to stimulate blood flow. And, and that's its job. So I mix that with the finasteride as a topical formulation and, and apply that to the scalp. I also sometimes will add Retin-A, which helps it enter the skin and get delivered to the, into the skin a, a lot better. Um, oh, you're making this sound much more appealing. I might have to... Yeah, I mean, well, one of the, well, but okay. So, and and so, minus minus the risk of the side effects too. You know, less risk of side effects by when you take the oral route. Well, so. for for female, um, is minoxidil okay for a female? There, yeah, minoxidil is okay. Minoxidil doesn't have the risks of the hormone, you know, issues and you know the potential side okay. effect with you know pregnancy and things like that. So, minoxidil is safe, and you can you can use that topically. Um, but you're right. I mean, the minoxidil forms, the foams and the gels can get in the way of styling your hair and things like that. So and, that's and why I do it in the. You do it. To, you say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's how you do it. What? Hug. In more of the serum form where it's not. It, okay. It, it absorbs into the scalp, but it doesn't cause any issues with your hair. It won't make. So if I'm using that, every, like, would it be nightly basis or morning? I mean, I don't know. What would, is it depends it on the day? formulation. Most people, I can formulate it to where it's a once a day in the evenings. Yes. You know, every okay. night before bedtime would be the best route to, to, to go. Is it a problem the next day to shampoo? Do my shampooing it out? Is that good? Is it bad? Is it okay if I just wet my hair and style it the next day? That's fine too. A shampooing is okay though. Yes. Uh -huh. If you use it in the evening, you certainly want to do it after you shampoo. If you do that in the evening or wet your hair, but by the next day, it's absorbed into your scalp, you know, as much as it's going oh. to be. And then you can wash. I like this formula. I know I want this. So if right. I already, if my hair is fine, but like, I just want it to be fuller and thicker. Can I do this too? Or is it more not, preventative? Remember not with the finasteride, the, the minoxidil part is doable, you know? Right. Um, right. But. Dr. Jimmy's like, pump, pump, pump the like, brakes, no, guys. We're such consumers. <laughs> to, to bring, like, it, to bring it all together. Up. Bring it all together. I would okay. say one modality, modality alone is not enough. So for anybody, if you're going to go non-surgical route, adding everything together is the best way to go. So Kelsey, for you, I would say if you're looking to thicken your hair as much as possible, let's go with, you know, the laser cap therapy. Yep. You could use minoxidil. Yep. You can do the derma roller. Yep. If you're noticing some thinning, in. you can so consider in office good. injections, things like that. And additively, all of that coming together is going to give you the best chance of thickening your hair. So dark, I had a question. Okay. Did, did we, did you, were going to say something? Cause I don't, you're, you're spewing gold. I don't want to get in the way of that. Yeah, no, no, you're, we're good. Okay. So I know I can get, um, again, I'm always going to come from people who are around the country. I can order, you know, minoxidil or Rogaine, let's say, but you're, you're saying 
you make a formula with Retin-A, that seems very appealing to me. Are, do other doctors do this or is that an exclusive doctor champagne thing? No, I mean, it's you can find it online. There are there are there are websites nowadays that you can go on and speak with a physician who will prescribe these topicals for you. Okay. It can be formulated in different ways. So I have a, a certain formulation that I like to use that works well for me. It can, there's different percentages that can be used. So different percentages of finasteride, different percentages of minoxidil, that sort of thing. Uh, Retin-A, it comes in different percentages. So there's various ways of formulating that. And I have my own that I like, but you can get it from other physicians, you know, as well. And yeah. does the um, minoxidil work for the alopecia? Does that work for alopecia? Again, alopecia is a whole different. I feel so bad for people who have that. Yeah. I, I know a lot of women who have that. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like what, what's the workaround for them? You know, you, even if it was temporary, it'd still be okay. As long as it wasn't going to do damage in the long run. Would, yeah, would, so so I would say it it doesn't it wouldn't it likely wouldn't hurt to try right to try that it's improving blood flow if that helps more oxygen and nutrients get to your scalp that's good um, another thing we didn't mention vitamins so okay. you, know, you also want to make sure your vitamins are good so you know maybe some blood work if you're noticing thinning of your hair some blood work with your primary care physician check vitamin levels minerals things like that what vitamins would i be deficient in if i if i am thinning my hair important things important things for you vitamin b7 or b vitamins biotin um too much vitamin A can be harmful, can cause oh. hair loss. So not too much vitamin A. Um, iron, vitamin D, those things are all, all important for hair. Um, there are some vitamins on the market that are specific for hair loss for men and for women that also have other beneficial effects. So maybe look into those without naming any names. Um, but um, but those are the kinds of things that you'd want to be doing. A lot of people take biotin. Biotin is good for keratin. It's good for fingernails, for hair, that sort of thing. So that's one of the big ones that a lot of people know about. Um, but if you don't know about it, that's that's something you can consider too. It, I, I was getting conflicting reports about this with vitamins. Vitamins with food, right? You take with food or can you take them on an empty stomach? I remember... I thought I always thought with food because you need the food to break it down. I'm sorry to put you on the spot here, but then I heard from an, Maria, my wife was saying, "No, you're supposed to take them into your stomach." And then, like I, you know, because I'm just an amazing lemming who just follows. I'm like, okay, take them. And then she was like, "Oh, I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe the doctor did say with <laughs> take them with food." I, mean, I think it depends, Kev. Yeah, really? it depends. I mean, some yeah. things some things allow certain vitamins to be taken up easier and better, or they need to be combined with other things, and so yeah. I'm not an expert. Okay. I, my theory is that you need vitamins because it go, it'll just go right through your body. I, I felt like it needs to attach. To well, there are things. some, like yeah. I know with when I've worked with like naturopaths and stuff, like there are some, or even Dr. Allison, there are some that you take on an empty stomach because it absorbs better that way. There are some that you need to take. with right. foods. Okay. So you have to ask. Yeah. Got I it. would ask her. All right. So now let's move on to, we, we're doing all these things and now we want the surgeries. And I know you had said to me the one day when we talked about this, you said for females, someone was doing it on their temples. Did you say that one day you, you said it was only 
Oh, the, the hair trans the hair transplant. Yes. yes, yeah. If we right, are we ready to move on to actual transplantation? You've given us enough. I mean, right? We've exhausted all the non-surgical ones. I think so. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay, so let's move on, and you know, a, a, you know, with women, female pattern baldness is a thing. I I never realized that. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So yeah, it could be hereditary. You know, um, a lot of women will have it in their in their family. You know, women in their family are losing hair, um, are thinning across the top. There's a typical what they call, unfortunately, it's called a Christmas tree pattern. It's sort of this this triangular shaped area on the top of the scalp that starts to thin out. Um, and so that's one cause of hair loss. Some women notice thinning of the temples, even with pregnancy, some women notice that it thins out a little bit. It may not come back fully. That could be hormone, hormone related. Um, some women just naturally are born genetic, you know, genetics didn't allow them to have hair in this region. And so some people have higher foreheads or wider temples, and so some patients are good candidates just because they've, you know, never had hair there. And so a hair transplantation into the temples can help to round off the hairline, give you a more feminine hairline rather than a masculine pattern where you have the temporal peaks um, and can really look completely natural once it's once it's filled in. Patients like, you know, especially women who are looking to have as much hair as possible. You know, let's be honest, women want full thick hair. Mm -hmm. A hair transplantation, like we were talking about earlier, I can only put the hairs so close together. So if we're working on a blank area, you know, no, starting with no hair there, the first time around, I'll put them as close together as I possibly can. And there's a natural pattern of hair growth that I'm, I'm, I'm using. So what's called a transition zone where I put single unit hairs, just like in the eyebrows, right at the front of the hairline, because that's how natural hairlines start. And then behind that, a few rows, we start with larger follicles. And so just to kind of clear the air on that, hair grows mm -hmm. out of the back of the head in groups, some groups of two, some groups of three hairs per follicle per unit. And then others, one hair at a time. And so we can divide those all out and place them in a transition zone, single hairs, two hairs, three hairs to give you more density behind that. And that'll look completely natural. But it might take a couple sessions in a blank area to get the hair thick enough to look, you know, full and natural, like women are expecting to have, you know, to match the rest of the, their head. Um, so that's something to consider too. And so for this process, um, you, you're, you're taking, you're harvesting the hair from the back of the scalp. Mm -hmm. And now I know that there's the, the, there's a, a procedure where they cut a strip of hair and then they take it to a, under a microscope and then they chop it up into little, right. Little follicles. There's that. And then there's the FUE procedure where they take hairs out singularly and insert them. So can you tell me the difference between either? I know the other one creates the scar, um, yeah. which I guess women don't have to worry about unless they're going to have, have their head shaved in the back. But one creates a scar, one doesn't. But what what should be like, which option should we take? Yeah, well, you've done your homework. So there are two methods. Yeah. You're right. There's there's the incision method, the FUT, follicular unit transfer method, where an okay. incision is made in the back of the scalp to harvest a donor strip, what they call a donor strip, what we call a donor, donor strip. And that's a, a strip of scalp that has hair follicles in it. And then that area is sutured or stitched closed. Okay. And then that heals. It does leave you with a scar, but 
in certain hands, like we were talking about artistry is important and technique is important. Um, that incision can be very, very thin, very small, one millimeter or so to where it can be hidden really well in the back of the head. If you have hair that is, let's say, shaved to a, a, a three or a four on a, on a pair of shears. And so if done properly, it could be well hidden and not a concern. The other method, the FUE method or follicular unit extraction method is where a device is used to punch out each individual hair follicle. There are pros and cons to both techniques. The punch method where we're punching each follicle out, it also leaves you with scar because anytime you're puncturing into the scalp deep enough to remove the follicle, it's going to create some form of a scar. So whether it's a, a linear incision line or it's multiple hundreds to thousands of punch scars in the back. Does it almost look polka dotted? It can. It can. Wow. Especially if you shave to the skin. And so um, regardless of the technique, it does leave you with some form of scar. Now, I have patients who, and I, I discuss these options with patients. There's pros and cons to both. I have patients who say, look, doc you know, especially who might be on camera. I have a lot of those patients and might have to shave their head for certain roles or might have, you know, who knows right. down the road. They're like, doc, I don't want to ever have a, a potential incision regardless of how small it is. So they might go for the, Polka you know, dots. opt for the punch method, the punch right? Method. But there's also cons for that method too. Certain, you know, so for the punch method, the con would be growth rate is not quite as good because each follicle punched out has more trauma the little device spins and torques the graft. And then each graft has to be gently tugged and, and pulled away because there's no, you can't, it's hard to cut below the root of the, of the follicle. And so that trauma reduces the growth rate a little bit, similar to the scar tissue in the eyebrows, you know, 10, 10 to 15% more or so. Um, if you're willing to have that trade-off, you know, no linear incision line, but maybe a little less growth, that's reasonable. Um, other patients say, you know, doc, give me the best growth I can get. Cause I'm not worried about a little thin line in the back of my scalp. I'll hide it with some hair, you know, my hair and right. no big deal. I want the best results. So I'll go with a nice mullet. Looks best for you. Nice mullet. You know I mean? That it's you don't all, need a mullet. No mullet necessary okay. here. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, okay. So, um, and, and you, Typically, it's it's is it lidocaine that's injected into the back of the scalp? For, yeah, same for, process. For same procedure? process as what we discussed with the eyebrows. Um, okay. And so, the method of harvesting for eyebrows and hair transplantation on the scalp is is the same. You could do either the strip method or the punch method, depending with on lidocaine the injections to kind of and maybe some Xanax, or you can be put. You've had some people go under. Yeah, you can do IV sedation. That's totally possible. Um, okay. But like I was saying earlier, most patients go the route of just oral sedation without going through the IV sedation process. But certainly it can be done that way. Got it. And um, and how long is this procedure? Well, if we're talking about, for example, the lady we were discussing doing temporal yeah. hairline, that can be four and a half to five hours um, to fill in just those you know smaller triangle areas for a, a, a a male patient, for example, who has hair loss, you know, throughout those procedures can be upwards of six or seven hours, just depending on how much hair we're removing. So again, it's a time sort of thing, you know, how long it's going to take. Are you charging move. by the hour or by the graph? 
for the scalp, it's by the graft. By it's, the graft. it's more by the graft at that point. Yes. Um, cause it's a different process. The hair, the eyebrows are a different process than, than the scalp. The eyebrows are a lot more tedious as far as placement goes and takes a lot longer to do that. Um, the hair, I'm still paying, obviously paying attention to direction of flow of the scalp, but a lot of the groupings of hair are a little larger. So not as tedious that we, we don't have to trim them as finely because we want to have two or three hairs per grouping to give you more density in the scalp. And so that process is not quite the same. Um, so at that point we're doing it by the graph because if, if it was by time, then, you know, it's, that's a whole different thing. And so, um, you know, in, I guess more, women, um, women probably come to you for less amount of graphs than men in general, would you say? Typically. It depends the part of the country that you're in, too. So what do you mean I would by say that? Here, here in L.A., I see more patients in the beginning of hair loss. I think in other parts of the country, maybe men might let their hair go a little further. Yeah. But I, it, I think it honestly depends the region or where you are because, you know, a lot of patients in this area want to yeah. try to get on their hair loss as soon as possible. Right. Um, but, Which I think is a smart play because you're almost getting ahead of it. Right. Well, exactly. And so, in, yeah, exactly. So you want to, in my, if, if you're going to do something about your hair, you want to keep as much of your native hair, your natural hair as you can. Right. You always have a thicker head, head of hair if you don't let it fall out than if you let it all fall out and then try to come back and transplant there's only so much donor area, which we didn't really cover, but there's only so much donor area that. No, please, let's cover it. Yeah. Men and women, that, meaning what's the hair in the scalp behind, right? So the, that hair we're talking about that we're going to harvest behind the head. Right. Is, that's why certain people, I've I've known certain men were told they weren't candidates because they didn't have enough um, hair in the back of the head to harvest, right? So that can happen too. It's completely true. So hair transplantation is relies on how much donor hair you have available. There's an area in the back of the scalp that we can harvest from above that and beyond that, not good hair to, to, to borrow from. Cause typically those are the areas, number one, that are going to fall out. So you don't want to be moving hair. And that goes way back to the beginnings of hair transplantation when they, thought that hair transplantation or moving hair from the back to the front wouldn't work because if you moved it into the area where it was falling out, it would fall out too. Good news is that doesn't, that doesn't happen. It actually continues to think it's in the area where it came from. So that's why hair transplantation works, number one. So that donor area is the back and the sides and we're limited. So if you've got, if we have, if I have a patient who comes in, who's completely bald on the top and is left with just these little short horseshoe ring of hair around the side many times they're not, they're not going to be a good candidate because there's no there's not enough hair to move and and fill in the the areas that are completely you know lost hair and give a good result and so they might not be a good candidate or are not a candidate at all um so keeping as much hair of your of your own yeah, being proactive is, is the best way to with go what yeah. we mentioned earlier in, in this exactly. episode was yeah and then even when you see the early signs coming in along with the maintenance. Um, we, we talking about men um, when you were saying the ones that have the, that Chrome dome kind of effect where it's shiny, there's no blood flow up there if, but they have a good um, region of harvest behind their heads and to the sides. 
if you're going to transplant to those people, does the transplant not take as well because there's no blood flow up there? It still works. I mean, there's blood flow. And the act of placing hair follicles into the scalp will stimulate more blood vessels to grow into that area. Oh, okay. So it still works. As long as you have good, healthy hair from the back, we can still get the hair to grow in the front. Some patients are not good candidates because not only do they have hair loss here, but their hair in the back is very weak and not healthy or stable. So if we're moving that hair, it's not it's going to continue to not be healthy and stable in the front as well. So they likely won't get a great result. So again, in consultation with my patients, everybody is unique and I have to individualize the pros and the cons and the risks, the benefits and who's a good candidate and who's not, and just have that discussion. Cause unfortunately some patients are not good candidates for the procedure. What's the ratio of men to women that come to you? I, I'm doing a lot of eyebrow hair transplants uh, at the moment. It's a very popular procedure for me. So I'm seeing a lot of women come in for that procedure. Men for the scalp uh, is more common. Obviously, there's a lot more male pattern baldness out there. And so if if you want to break it down for that, I'd say in, in general, you know, majority of women are coming for eyebrows. Probably 90% of my practice for for females is eyebrows. And then on the opposite end, I would say reverse. It would probably like 90% of my practice for men is for the scalp and Got maybe it. 10% or so for the eyebrows. But women are coming in though to get to, because like I said, that this is what ignited us to do the show was when you said, oh, I have a female today. I just did, you know. They you are. Know. Yeah, no, a hundred. Absolutely. They are. Transplant. They are. And I have another one coming up like next, you know, next week, a female who's going to be doing the hairline areas. How many it's follicles cool. will you be putting in? On average, for those patients, it's around a thousand to twelve hundred. If if there's completely blank areas, but again, it varies. You know, it can be more, it could be less. Will, will um, it be a strip with her or, or the, the 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 holes? Most women will opt for the strip method because they have longer hair and it mm-hmm. hides really well, and they want as much growth as possible. Got it. So that's typically the route that we will go. And another reason for that, which we didn't talk about, is the punch method, the FUE method. If you're moving a lot of hair in that method, if you're, for example, moving 1,000 or 1,200 grafts, you have to trim the hair on the head to very short to be able to work with it and punch it out. So most women say, nah. I don't want to shave my head in the back. Um, I'd rather go with the incision route because the incision route, I don't have to shave the hair in the back and I can hide that in the hair. They keep the hair, their hair as long as they came in. If they come in with long hair, they'll leave with long hair in the back and the mm-hmm. incision hides in the hair. Um, and in the long run, better results that you never see that incision their hairstylist will likely never even see their incision in the back. And so Sorry. that's the route that they tend to go. And and so for this person coming in, well, do you think there'll be a follow-up? Will they have to come back? Or do you I think always it'll think be one and yeah. done? Those patients, now the one that we were discussing, she had some hair in that area and she was wanting to fill in between those hairs to thicken it from up. a previous transplant or she no, just, had just, hair? just she okay. was thinner but still right. had hair in those so areas one and done for her likely yeah one and oh, done good. one okay. and done so when she pulled her hair back she had some hair in the temples but it wasn't thick enough and you can for her and you could still see the skin through up you know in a certain triangular pattern so i just went in between her current hairs and just filled it in likely she'll be completely happy with that result once those hairs grew long and 
she can pull her hair back. Patients who have bare, you know, blank skin, for example, they may be more likely to come back and, and add more. In my experience, the first time around, let's say we move a thousand grafts the first time around. In my experience, usually if a patient will come back, it'll be about half that to fill in the remainder of the areas. Because again, I packed them in as close as I can the first time around. Second time around, there's less space that needs to be filled in. So it's usually around half the grafts that we and, did the first. first and how time. long to do the second procedure? I will wait at least nine months up to a year um, minimum before doing a second procedure. And the long you wait, is it better? The long you wait? Well, yeah, well, nine to 12 months on average. Anything after around 12 months, you're not going to see any more growth at that point. And the reason I wait that long is number one, you want to make sure everything is growing that will grow. Um, and number two, it's long enough, you know, an inch or so at around nine months uh, in length to be able to work between them and, and, and give you that same angle of exit and density that I'm looking for. So that's, and, those are the reasons I wait. And recovery time is coming in to get this procedure six hours, whatever. And, you know, um, what's the recovery like after something like this? Very similar to the eyebrows like we discussed earlier. Um, yeah. Incision in the back. If we go that route, sutures are removed at around 10 days after the procedure. Okay. Punch method, you know, four or five days later, the little scabs from that area are healed, but the hair has to grow out at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, on the scalp, same idea as the eyebrows. You're going to form little scabs around every follicle. You're going to be a little swollen. Not so much bruising up here as you would around the eye from the eyebrow transplant, but expect some swelling, some scabbing. Um, the scabs fall out nine to 10 days later, same process. The hair tends to shed around three, two to three weeks later, go back to looking like you do before the surgery for about three, maybe four months before you start seeing, you know, little hairs pierce the skin. And at that point, the hair just continues to get thicker and healthier over time. Eight to nine months later, you start seeing your thickest results but then your hair needs to continue to grow long to match the rest of the you know the length of the rest of your hair and we're wearing the red light cap we're right we're doing vitamins maybe the roller yep to me everything available is best you know honestly anything because they're all different ways of approaching hair loss one's for blood flow one's to if you're going to do the topical medication or oral medication that one helps reduce the, the the dht you know cause for hair loss the derma roller is going to be stimulating some blood flow in your scalp. So there's attacking your, your, your hair loss problem with multiple modalities is the best way to go rather than just one route. And and going back to the exosome injections, do you have anyone, and is it possible for someone to come in, get the transplantation and get those injections at the same time? Absolutely. Get it all out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's a good combo. Um, Because for for patients, especially who are still thinning out and want to preserve and keep as much of their hair as possible, I'll transplant into the areas that have thinned and where they need hair, but where they still have, let's say, thinner hair, that hair can be boosted and we can grow that hair thicker with the injection. So it's kind of a combination of both to give you the best results. And while, while you're either under IV sedation or medicated and you're numb, I can do the injections at the same time so that well. you don't feel those injections right. and you get the benefits of, of both procedures at once. And the exosome, listen, it's not cheap, right? This isn't it, right? That's no, I mean, cause it's, it's a, it's, it's a, a vial that's produced by a company. And so there's a cost for that vial, 
you know, and these things are harvested, it's harvested from around stem cells. So that process is not cheap. And so you're right. Um, the injection process is not, is not something you can, you can expect to go in and spend a few hundred dollars for. Right. But what you ultimately have to do, and just like everything else is think of the long term, you know, like it's long lasting, it's going to give you the results that you're looking for. So that's, yeah, that's, that's. I remember it's funny. One of these times I was, I was in a, I forget, I was in a waiting room of some kind for something outside of medical. And a guy came up to me, he said, can I ask you something? He goes, yeah. He goes, what do you think of my smile? (laughs) He just, with this big smile, I go, I guess you have a nice smile. And he's like, cause here's the thing. He's like, I'm in sales and I just had my teeth fixed. He's like, and you know, they stay the statistics of when people see teeth and teeth are not good or they're rotted out or they're, yeah, you know, it's really a turnoff. So I invested the money in this. Um, and he just went off and off. But what really sat with me was the fact that, by the way, I admired him for coming up and, and doing that. I thought it was cool, but it really sat with me. It's like, wow, I guess I never realized when I see someone's face, if I see their teeth, if I see their hair, you know, it, it, and am I, am I laying down judgment? Do we all lay down judgment in general? And then, you know, the, the, on the flip, the value for whatever it is you're doing in business or in life. And so I, when I say that, I'm saying it was worth it for this person to invest in his teeth. It obviously made him feel better for more confident, but probably it just helps in that way too. So I don't minimize it. You know, if someone, you know, it, it, if you need to, you know, having a, especially for female full head of hair, that's going to hurt your confidence levels and, or it's going to be a turnoff in any way, shape or form or prevent you in any way. Yeah. It's, I think it's a, I think it's a good investment. I hate to say that. I don't know. No, absolutely. Maybe I'm too Western civilization. No, for better or for worse, human, we're human, right? Yeah. For better or for worse, for whatever reason, whether it is, you know, I don't, you know, it's just, it, it's innate. It's in us that we look at certain people or certain things. And if you're aging or, you know, going gray or whatever, like our brains just automatically start to think of, and I don't, I'm not an expert in this stuff, but it's more of like dominance, right? Like a sort of a, like a, a, you know, you're, you're seen as either stronger or weaker or whatever. Yeah, it's sad, but they just, and it's I sad. Said, I don't, you know, that's not, right. uh, Without, you don't you know, intend to do that. Without judging either way, it is what it is. I'm sure you've heard about probiotics. We recently partnered with Just Thrive. Tina Anderson is the mastermind behind this extraordinary product. Why do we need a probiotic? The world we're living is so disruptive to our gut health, from antibiotics that we take, from Roundup that's sprayed out over our food supply, to stress. We see symptoms like gas and bloating, diarrhea, constipation, skin rashes, autoimmune issues and allergies, mood disorders, so anxiety, depression, all of those types of issues are stemming from our imbalance in our gut. And the thing about Just Thrive Probiotic is you don't have to refrigerate it. To be a probiotic, it needs to be alive in your intestines, not alive in the refrigerator. And most of those probiotics in the refrigerator actually don't make it to the intestines alive, which is the goal. If we couple the Just Thrive probiotic and the Just Calm, what do we get? We know the probiotic alone is helping with the leakiness of the gut and helping all other types of things in our, with our overall health. But we know now when we add the Just Calm, it's helping with our mood. 
guys, Just Thrive is a game changer. If you're ready to take control of constipation, bloat, and stress and live your healthiest life yet, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Calm and Just Thrive probiotic today. Just visit JustThriveHealth.com and use the promo code HEALSQUAD. You won't regret it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. It is what it is. And I think to me, the best part of my job is to be able to help someone who not because of somebody else. That's not the reason to do procedures. You don't do things for other people. You do it for yourself. Yeah. And those are the things that, for me, the best part of my job is if I can help someone see themselves or feel better about themselves, to be able to perform better at whatever it is that they want to do or go out, you know, and yeah. just not have to worry about certain things that bother them because it's not something that you're doing intentionally. Um, it's something that if you look in the mirror and and it's going to affect your, your, your life in a certain way. If we can improve that and it looks natural and it looks great, you never have to think about it again. Then to me, that will help you. It would just help you in your life. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you're, if you're feeling better about yourself, you're looking better, it, it can allow you to help you be your best self. Then why not? You know, I agree. And, and I don't want to end this two-parter because you have, you just gave us the whole education on eyebrows and one on hair transplantation. But I want to go into the, I see a lot of botched hair transplantations. You know, Maria's dad is so funny. He always picks them up too. I mean, I've seen guys with, who will have a, um, a hairline that's a complete straight line, like two inches over their eyebrows. I, you know, I've seen a lot of those. Um, and I get why, because around the country, there's a lot of money and around the world now, there's a lot of money in hair transplantation. It's a big business. It is. But if you are not working with someone who has um, a true talent or artist's eye, it's not just, it's not like just painting a wall white. You get a roller at Home Depot, right? You know, it. There's there's much more involved in terms of so the first thing is, can you tell me what you're looking at when you look at someone's face when you're going to you know, in, put in your follicles? And then let's talk about some of the other things you and I were talking about overseas that happens and what to look out for that could be a potential pitfall. Yeah. So would you so let's say you someone comes into you artistically. What are you looking for? So in, we want to place. We want the hairline to match 
everybody's balding pattern or hair loss pattern is going to be a little different. So what I'm looking for, first of all, we have to start with how old are you? When did you start losing hair? How rapidly is that occurring? Because maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit and not jump into a transplant right away if we need to start focusing on preventing hair loss and slowing hair loss down if it's rapidly happening at an early age because we want to want to see the I want to see the trajectory and where you're going to end up too before we really start to move a lot of hair into one little spot and then you continue to lose hair so that's one thing but what I'm looking for is the hair loss pattern and what will balance and look best over time through the years not just let's say you're 28 years old and you want to fill in the front, but what's happening with the rest of your scalp? That's important. The hairline pattern, it has to look natural. So there's, we've talked, I was talking earlier about the transition zone and using certain types of follicles. There are places I've seen patients come in with larger groupings at the front of the hairline. I don't know what the thought process is on that, whether or not just putting more hair in, in those areas is going to make it look thicker, but it never looks natural. So there's there's an artistry to creating an what an irregularly irregular hairline. All hairlines are irregular in irregular ways. Nothing is perfect, right? So if you look at a natural hairline, it starts at a certain area with a few little single hairs and it gets thicker and thicker as you work your way back. And then there's also undulations or little irregular indentations in this, in the hairline. In order to recreate that, you have to have an artistic eye and a touch to that, to that method, to be able to recreate that pattern. And it's different for everybody. I never give, I never do the same exact pattern for everyone. And then I line it up for me. I line it up with, where the hair loss pattern is expected to go or where it is at the, at the moment, if they've sort of stabilized and, and some guys, it might be a little lower. Some guys, it might be a little, do you higher. look at old photos? Do you have them bring in old photos themselves or is that sometimes, but looking at old photos can be really difficult because a lot of times they'll bring in photos from when they were 15 years old, yeah. you know, when they had a full head of hair and the, you know, honest truth is we can never get you back to that. You know, okay. if you've lost a lot of hair, um, and so th there's so many factors that play into that, that that's where the discussion, you know, the consultation comes in and, and coming up with a compromise a lot of times as to what's going to work, how much hair we have to move, right? Because if you want a full result, I may only be able to fill a certain area to give you a, as thick of a result as possible. So it's, there might be some compromise there. And so it's really just a conversation between me and the patient as to what's going to work best for them. But artistically, you know, I, I do want to give them something. I will give them something that's going to work best for their facial features and they'll age with over time and have it look natural and continue to hold up and look good. Um, but I certainly you, you I've seen from other places, you know, patients have gone elsewhere and their hairline is tilted like this. And, mm. you know, it, it, I draw in the hairline. I make sure everything is even. I take measurements. I do all of those things to make sure that that process is going to come out as perfect as possible. And anyone you go to should be, I would think, doing that as well. You would think, but would it think. doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't Got happen. It. I mean, um, it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. There, here, here, There's a certain flight I've heard that comes from, you know, Turkey or some other places. And I've heard like everyone on the flight, <laughs> it's like wearing a, uh, bandage around their head because they go there for um 
a cheaper transplantation. And uh, when I was, I've heard of that too, right? And so, and I, and then I'm like, well, how come their before and after pictures look good? And they said, well, they'll comb the hair over in a certain way when they do the after. You know, they can make it in a picture look like it's great. But have you dealt with, you know, patients who've got gone over there and been botched and then had a, you know. Well, I think, I mean, it can happen anywhere. Turkey's a, a, a sort of a, a yeah, a I guess I'm just, Yeah, I'm just saying that the, the sexy places around the world that are cheap, so everyone's running to, I just randomly said that. I don't mean to pick on poor Turkey, especially right now. Yeah, but, no, I mean, it's a hotspot for sure. But again, this can happen anywhere. Um, yeah. But the main thing is some of the, some places, you know, some offices, clinics, whatever, focus more on, just getting the job done, just doing the procedure mm-hmm. and not so much result driven. So for me, I focus one surgery a day, for example, one patient only. I'm not doing two people a day because the process takes hours and I want to be focused on you only. Wow, other, other places might do two or three a day, you know, and to each their own. But I can guarantee you that two or three a day is not going to be your results are not going to be as good just because you're rushing around or you're doing it. Or, or maybe it's the one doctor who oversees like four of them. And then they've got Kevin and Kelsey who are the techs who do a lot of the grunt work, right? True. That happens. That mm-hmm. happens. Other things are, for example, not to, to focus on Turkey, but Turkey does a lot of FUE, the punch method. They, they sort of push that method. But in general, doing that method multiple patients a day or or so in order to punch those graphs out appropriately, carefully. And again, I do that process myself. I personally harvest and punch out each follicle to ensure that it's done appropriately. You have the right angle, as minimal trauma as possible to those hair follicles, as much growth as possible. But in other places, you know, in, in California, it's not even legal for technicians to puncture skin. Mm. So it's not even legal to do that here. And I think that's a good thing because in other places yeah, it is. And if technicians- so other, wait, other, can other states, I know California, but other states- Certain have, states, yes. Certain states, it's, 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 so it is, is kind legal. Of, and this is good maybe to look into. Yeah. Um, in your state, for, if it's legal, because I don't think I'd want, I'd want a doctor, not a technician. Yeah. So nurses and doctors are, you know, licensed to puncture skin, for example. Okay. But in other states, it is legal for estheticians or other types right. of medical assistants or things to puncture skin under the supervision of supervision of licensed physicians or nurses, okay. Okay. but it is legal. So and they might be talented too, you know, so I, I don't Sure. Wanna... And again, yeah, but but in some some places in these clinics, you know, the technicians are doing the work. To me, I would prefer a doctor to do it. You know, and that's just how I look at it. And so, um, and again, I take the time to ensure that the results are going to be as best as possible. But in other places, for example, they you know they're using the punch method. Maybe they're rapidly. I've seen some videos. Um, I'm sure other people may have gone online. You see these videos where they're just rapidly punching these graphs out, but I can guarantee you that the results are not going to be good because there's no attention paid to the trauma to those follicles or whether or not even those follicles are going to grow because some of those, they're cutting across the roots. They're 
pulling the hair, but there's no root system attached. And so those oh. are never going to grow. So those are all important things to kind of just keep in yeah. mind. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash anybody. And no, no, no. But listen, anybody. If, you're, if you're going to go spend the money, you're but, getting on a flight and all that stuff. But if you're going to scar the back of your head and give up precious donor follicles, that's, you know, you, you, you're, you're reducing the chances of getting a second shot. Right. The, you know, so it's precious if so, you're going to so, do it. Yeah. Getting back to what you were asking me, I have had patients come in f- just, let's say from X place, it doesn't matter, but have come in and said, you know, I did this method, the FUE method, right. Or the punt or the strip method, whatever. And I, you know, I'm not, I just, I was told I got 3000 graphs, but it looks like 200 grew, you know? And so it, it happens and just mm-hmm. main thing is do your research, do your homework, really kind of look, you know, pay attention. And, and, and like you were saying though, you know, just also remember like you can comb the hair a certain way. You can add topical product to the hair to make it look thicker in photos and Photoshop exists and things. And you just have to be very careful and just do your homework and, and just make a judgment based on your conversation with the doctor, but make sure, you know, you go in and you have a good consultation. You feel good about it before you move forward with yeah. that procedure. And I really do think interviewing, finding a way to interview other people that have gone and actually seeing it for yourself. Yeah. Um, do, do, for the, Word of for, mouth is the best way. Word of mouth yeah. is the best way. And, 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 and is the crown harder to take the, does the hair not take as well in the crown area versus the, cause I know I've also said, I've seen this where doctors will focus on the scalp because that's what you see. And then like, eh, you can have, if you're balding in the back, leave it, you know, if people are thinning, but is it true that the hair doesn't take as well back there? No, I wouldn't say it's that. I would say it depends on each patient too, but you're right. You sort of what you're saying, focus on the front. I take that approach as well in patients because all getting back to how much hair we have to move, how much donor we have to use, how thick we can, how closely together we can place those hairs. So let's just say most guys getting back to the guy with the smile, for example, how does my smile look? Yeah, yeah. Most guys are women or whoever you want to present yourself. If you're presenting yourself, you're giving a talk. Are you, you're, you're in a meeting, you're sitting face to face, right? And so let's say you're that guy that has a completely empty top, right? It's, it's yeah. bald on top. Mm-hmm. The best results are going to be if you focus in the front and fill that in as much as possible so that you can style that hair to where it looks at least from the front that you're not balding, right? Mm-hmm. versus trying to fill in the entire area. And this is really in the cases where we only have a limited amount of hair to work with on the top and sides. Best to start in the front and fill the front, in my opinion. Fill the front so that when you're presenting yourself, you don't look like that guy who's losing hair or balding, right? And then we can work in the back if we have some donor hair left. The, the crown area is the area that tends to open up in a circular manner like this. So it can get a little wider, it can get a little lower. And so it can be that area that's sort of never ending. And so if it's a big enough area, it might be a space that we can never fill completely. And so when we're limited to how much donor hair we can work with, it's always, in my opinion, better better to start in the front and fill as much as we can and give you a nice natural hairline. And then potentially either a second procedure, do, you know, work on the back, 
And also the pattern of hair in the back is usually more of a swirl. And so that lends itself to being a little easier to see through than the front where the hair grows in a certain pattern and you can comb it certain ways um, and, and give more camouflage. Ultimately, speaking of camouflage, a hair transplantation is, is, is about giving you as much hair back as we possibly can and also camouflage. Um, density when you were 15 years old really can never be achieved if you have a lot of hair loss on top. There's just not enough donor hair to, to replace. And so it's kind of a combination of all of that. But filling in the front as much as possible is, the, to me, the best way to go. Well, Dr. Champagne, amazing. Um, sorry we didn't get to uh, to our fans that we didn't get to anything on the face. But we'll, if you'd be kind enough to come back, then I'd love to drain you for two more hours. Be happy to. <laughs> to get everything about face. But this is uh, super helpful. Kelsey, any final questions for Dr. Champagne thoughts? No, I only had a personal question that really kind of goes into the face. Can you do PRP on your scalp and your face at the same time? Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. a double whammy? Nice. Absolutely. You absolutely can. Cool. Derm roll the scalp, PRP, derm roll the face, PRP, Wait. injections of PRP. Nice. We could do all of that. So we that's can, the we exosomes? We talk two hours about facial stuff for sure. I is that, know. Is I that exosomes, that. The, the PRP? Is that? That's the blood. Oh, yeah, so the, they do they still do the blood or in, on the scalp? I mean, over the exosome? I mean, no, I thought exosome kind of replaced that. Well, it does, but it's still an option, right? So <laughs> cost-wise, time-wise, right. everybody's different. So again, consult with right. me or your doctor about what might be best for you. PRP is still an option. It's not completely replaced. It's still to an option. To be continued. But to be continued. Exactly. Yeah. Because we need to talk Botox, fillers, like all so of it. Questions. And then, yeah, and there's so many new things. So, yeah. Yeah. One more time, you Let's need do to it. come back, Dr. Champagne. <laughs> you, Dr. Jason Champagne. Um, and Instagram, what's the Instagram now if we want to see some of the stuff that you're doing every day? It's at, at Dr. Jason Champagne. So Dr. Jason Champagne. It's amazing. We joke because his his partner in practice is, doc, is, is the world-famous Dr. Diamond. And it's almost like a joke, Diamond and Champagne. And they're both named Jason. So Jason Diamond and Jason Champagne. Everyone thinks I'm joking. Well, I'm like, no, no, I, no, no, yeah, no, I thought no, you were. No. Yeah, Kelsey thought I was joking. I was like, wait, what? No, that's their real names. They didn't change it. Like it. It's just, it's just diamonds and champagne. It just naturally by, happened that way. And by the way, two of the most down-to-earth people I know in LA. Like literally yeah. the, like the nicest, like, uh, you know, best of my friends in LA, you know, so not. Diamonds and champagne in terms of quality of human, but not in terms of the whole, yeah, pomp circumstance in Beverly Hills. So it's, You're too kind. You're too kind. No, it's true, but it's very <laughs> funny, too. Diamonds and champagne. All right, Dr. Champagne, thank you. And, You're uh, welcome. My pleasure. We will we'll be in touch. Talk to you soon. Can't wait. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare care 
program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.